My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. If you are struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder, then check out NoCD. NoCD offers online therapy for people who are struggling with OCD anywhere in the United States and now in the United Kingdom. You can do live video sessions with a licensed therapist who specializes in the treatment of OCD, which is exposure and response prevention. Between sessions, you'll get 24-7 support from our peer support community and our clinician-guided tools. You also have the ability to message your therapist from the app for additional support and encouragement. Plus, the app tracks all of your exposures, and there are tons of other ERP tools on there too, like an SOS track to put on when you're really, really struggling. You can get started by booking a free call at www.treatmyocd.com or download the free NoCD app to get started. And depending on what state you live in, you may even be able to work with me as your therapist. We even have free support groups that you can sign up for, and they're all led by a therapist who specializes in ERP. Head to www.treatmyocd.com and tell them that Jenna Overboss sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode in that I'm actually going to be doing like a Q&A. So a couple of days ago, I posted on my Instagram that I was going to be doing just a riff type of episode on my podcast, which is what this is. And I posted a little question box. So got a lot of good questions about OCD, about exposure and response prevention. Um, and a lot of other good things. So we're going to just basically take some time and run through these questions. Uh, if in the future you like this and you want more of these episodes, then definitely be on the lookout on my Instagram. Let me know, um, if you're kind of craving one more of these episodes and I will totally put up another question box and we can do it up again. So, um, I'll just open up my Instagram here. So first things first, let's talk about can moms with babies have relationship OCD? So the answer is yes. Any any OCD can latch onto any relationship. <clears throat> so usually that's going to be with a, a significant other. That's usually how it presents itself in treatment, but it could be with any relationship that you value. So there's no rule. There's nothing special about OCD that makes it just about your romantic partner. Um, it could be about anyone who is important in your life, anyone that you value. And so my advice for any moms out there struggling with relationship OCD as it relates to your baby 
may come up in forms like not knowing if you're if you love your baby enough, having a lot of doubts about whether you are right for your baby or vice versa. The same way that someone with relationship OCD might have those same exact fears and doubts and thoughts about their romantic relationship, just more so that you're having it with your baby. Um, I talked closer to Valentine's Day. I think it was the Valentine's Day episode where I talked primarily and only about relationship OCD. So in that episode, I talked about how there's relationship-specific OCD, but then there's also partner-specific OCD. So in relationship-specific OCD, you are really focused on the dynamics of that relationship. Like, do we love each other enough? Are we right for each other? Whereas with uh, the more partner-based relationship OCD, you're really focused on the partner. There's a lot of comparisons there. Um, And I think society plays a big role in this. I could go on and on about like just motherhood difficulties in general as it relates to society and comparisons and all that stuff. Um, But OCD, you know, is going to be having to deal with obsessions, which are intrusive thoughts, ideas, images, or impulses, and also compulsions, right? So there has to be a presence of some behavioral or mental act to try to neutralize those obsessions. So whether that's avoidance or um, self-assurance, a lot of reassurance seeking online or with a partner, um, and if that's taking up several hours of your day and leading to a lot of impairment, then that could be relationship OCD. So Moral of the story, yes, moms can definitely have relationship OCD with their baby. You can have relationship OCD with anybody. Mostly, though, it's going to be with the people or the person you value the most. Um, Just like OCD typically does, latch on to whatever it is that you value the most. Um, And your OCD with your baby can present itself in the same exact ways as it might present itself with with other relationships. So other questions. Does ERP also help? Does exposure and response prevention also help if you have generalized anxiety disorder along with obsessive compulsive disorder? So it's really common to have these comorbidities. So it it happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen, and that's fine too. Um, But I kind of tell my members at NoCD and in general, like, if we're talking about a dysfunctional relationship here as it relates to anxiety or uncomfortable emotions or uncertainty, that will probably come up in the form of OCD, but it probably would come up in the form of other anxiety-related issues and situations as well, right? So like generalized anxiety disorder, where you are generally worried about more real-life concepts like the health of yourself and others, finances, the future, so on and so forth. Um, GAD is where it feels really difficult to control the worry, um, feels like it's clearly out of proportion to the threat. Um, and all of the skills that you learn in exposure therapy would be directly applicable to generalized anxiety disorder. Um, you know, so if, if you have a lot of anxiety around finances and that's more along the lines of like generalized anxiety disorder, you know, maybe talk to your therapist about, we would call them more safety seeking behaviors. Uh, ask your therapist about maybe some safety seeking behaviors that you're engaging in. Are you repeatedly checking your bank account when you you know, ideal, I, you know that you don't necessarily have to keep doing that. Are you consistently asking your partner um, about spending and confessing that spending to your partner, even though you kind of don't really want that reassurance, but you definitely actually do want that reassurance. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so generalized anxiety disorder is also going to have a lot of 
um, just rumination, kind of worrying, perpetuating thoughts, um, avoidance too. So all of the skills that you learn in exposure and response prevention for OCD will be directly applicable to other sources of anxiety as well. So social anxiety, generalized anxiety, all that stuff. Um, another question, my panic attacks are severe. How to deal or cope when doing exposures? So this is tricky because your body, when you're panicking like that, you are in such a fight or flight mode that you will, you want to do anything to get out of it. I think when it comes to panic attacks, it comes to dealing with small fires. So I mean that by, when I say deal, I don't mean cope. I don't mean do relaxation breathing. I don't mean do a coping skill. If we're talking about exposure therapy, if we're talking about OCD-related panic attacks, my advice is going to be not to do any coping skills, right? The coping skill is to resist your rituals, to sit with that. And so typically what I see is that people who have OCD and that they're having panic attacks is that they are having panic attacks when they're not, when they're ritualizing, 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 and they're not getting it the way that they want it to be done. And so as opposed to ritualizing, 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 and then not being satisfied with that, what if we just take that first step and we try to just resist that first ritual, right? So what that would look like is, okay, I really want to wash my hands right now. I'm going to try really hard to resist that. Or I'm going to try to reduce it or postpone it as much as I possibly can versus washing and washing and washing and avoiding and avoiding and avoiding and asking for reassurance. And, you know, what we know about rituals is that it feeds into that OCD cycle. And so it feels good in that moment. It feels good for a couple seconds to give into that anxiety by doing this ritual and trying to temporarily relieve it. But in the long run, it does you no service. It actually just makes everything a million times worse. And so there is, as far as my training and as far as my recommendations for OCD treatment go, I wouldn't want you to cope with a panic or cope with anything other than just allowing that to happen and truly trying to just accept that and let that come and let that go. That fight or flight can be really uncomfortable, but it's time limited and it's not dangerous. So it can feel really dangerous and it can feel super uncomfortable and it can feel really, really hard to not give in, to not just ask that reassurance, to not just avoid that thing that you're really, really afraid of. And as soon as you challenge yourself with that, you'll be able to overcome it and start to make a plan and develop a plan, hopefully with a therapist, so that you can start to gradually work your way through and over these fears. So... Also, aside, if you struggle with panic attacks, you likely struggle with something called high levels of anxiety sensitivity. So these are individuals who really don't like the way that their heart starts to race. They get really uncomfortable if other people see them anxious. They don't like that fight or flight feeling. And so sometimes it can be super, super helpful to incorporate that. No shocker here, guys, to incorporate that into your exposure work. So to do what we call interoceptives, they're I-N-T-E-R-O-C-E-P-T-I-V-E-S. So interoceptives are like body exposures where I would have someone say run in place for 30 seconds, get their heartbeat up, and then they have to kind of sit with that anxiety and that physical discomfort um, that is usually associated and felt when you have panic. And so just like any other exposure, you do these interoceptives repeatedly and again and again, and you 
sit with that discomfort, you begin to tolerate that discomfort so that when you naturally feel that way, say during the beginnings of a panic episode, then you don't kind of exacerbate those symptoms by interpreting them as threat, by making them worse, so on and so forth. Someone else had mentioned fear of emotions. I really try to fix or fight them. And so this is tricky because, you know, emotions ebb and flow, you guys. So whether that's fear, anxiety, sadness, anger, they come and they go. And what as long as we try to fix them or write them or fight them, you know, they're going to continue to be there. And so what I would encourage for this person is to put themselves and allow themselves to be in situations where they feel those uncomfortable emotions. And instead of avoiding, instead of, you know, shutting down, instead of reassurance seeking or instead of like whatever their safety seeking behaviors are try to resist those and let yourself feel all the feels do all the hard things um and let yourself get used to it you know and let yourself also have the learning experience that my anxiety can come and go without me having to do anything about it my sadness can come and go without me having to do anything about it that i don't have to feel okay all the time that I don't have to feel happy all the time. Um, Any tips for existential intrusive thoughts? So, you know, regardless of what the types of thoughts are, regardless of what the subtype is or what the fear is, the general meat and potatoes here is always going to be the same, right? So what is it that you fear? Try to go and expose yourself to that thing and resist the rituals, compulsions, or safety-seeking behaviors that you would normally do before, during, and after this thing. So existential intrusive thoughts would be things like, you know, are we living in some type of simulation? Is the world really real? Um, Am I really here right now? Like, how do I trust that everyone around me is not a robot? And so my tips for existential intrusive thoughts, as far as exposure ideas go, things like the Truman Show are usually really challenging for people. you could write some scripts, right? You could write some <clears throat> worry scripts. You could write some, uh, you know, present tense, real life scenarios about what your worst fear is and work on that with your therapist and gradually, you know, just listen to that again and again and again. And, you know, again, regardless of the thought, <laughs> whether it's existential or harm or sexual orientation or whatever. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of research out there and a lot of professionals would say that the content doesn't matter, that it's about good old generic, super old fashioned uncertainty. And so we can't be 100% certain that we aren't in some crazy simulation right now. We can't be 100% certain that not everyone other than you is a freaking robot. (laughs) Um, We can't be 100% sure about that. And so as long as we continue to give in to that out by trying to feed it with superficialness that it's not going to be satisfied with anyway we're going we're going to continue to to act as though this this uncertainty is threatening that this uncertainty is bad and that I can't tolerate it and as long as we continue to compulse through it or avoid or try to figure it out or reassurance seek or whatever we are continuing to treat that thing as a threat and so we're going to continue to perceive it as though it's something that we have to protect ourselves from So what we need to do is instead of continuing to treat this thing as though it is threatening, maybe it is, maybe it's not, we don't know, 
We need to let that guard down. We need to resist or reduce the rituals that we would normally do in those scenarios, expose ourselves potentially to that uncertainty and that uncomfortable reality that, you know, there's not nothing in the world that we can be 100% certain about. So that would be my advice. Um, and that would apply really to any kind of subtype of OCD. But um, let's see here. Da, da, da. How to muster courage to get a routine mammogram when I have extreme health anxiety. So this is really tricky. So if this is something that you need to do, like a routine mammogram, I would encourage you to, you know, follow your values. What would you do if fear wasn't part of the equation? If fear wasn't part of it, if health anxiety was off the table and that was not part of it, would you still go get this routine mammogram? And if the answer is a resounding, hell yeah, like absolutely then you need to do that regardless of how anxiety provoking it is. And so we need to set very, very firm boundaries with our OCD and our anxiety. We need to set very firm boundaries and let it know that this is what I value. You may not like this, but I'm in the driver's seat. And I'd say when we go to get our mammogram, or I say when we go and do this presentation, I say when we go do X, Y, and Z, not you. Anxiety, you can come along for the ride. You're cool. It's fine. It's whatever. I know you're there trying to protect me, but I call the shots now. And so that would be my advice. That would be the kind of attitude that I would want someone like this to have is identifying their values, identifying and asking themselves, like, what would I do if fear was not part of this equation? If my health anxiety was not on the table right now, what would I do? If you would still go to the hospital? Absolutely. Go to the hospital. And challenge yourself to resist things like researching before, challenge yourself to resist avoidance, you know, show up to that appointment, knowing that that is your value and that this is for your health and that, you know, we we can't be 100% certain about anything. Like I've said in other, about other subtypes, right? But you're here and you're wanting to show up and you're willing to show up and you want this anxiety because your anxiety is what's going to help you get through this. So. My dogs are barking. That's what happens when we have the windows open. It's a good time to take a break anyway right now, you guys. So I'm going to take a break, chat with you about a product that I love, and I'll be right back. I've often said that one of my favorite go-to self-care routines is to get my nails done. But if you're like me, then you just can't justify salon prices or the harshness that these bring to your nails. Olive in June allows you to get the salon quality manicures and pedicures at home. You can easily go up to seven days without chipping. You don't have to leave the house and you can finally stop spending $35 or more every two weeks on getting them done. For $10 off your first order, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com and click on deals. All right, we're back and I feel like I tamed the beasts, aka my dogs, for now. So we'll see. A couple more questions here to get through. Um, And one is really related to the one that I just talked about with the routine mammogram, right? So the question is how to not turn routine health checks that we all should do into compulsions, aka health anxiety. So um, if you have health anxiety and you feel like, you know, there are all these things that we quote unquote should do, health checks, whatever, um, how do I not make that ritualistic? 
challenge yourself to maybe postpone one, right? So maybe maybe by a month or so, challenge yourself not to go to that routine health check. Um, you know, if you go there and you have certain questions that you feel like you want to ask, but are, you know, maybe a little bit more reassurance seeking in nature that you want to ask, but you don't really need to ask, um, maybe challenge yourself not to ask those questions. Try to just go and be a little bit more basic, a little bit more vague and leave out some information, right? So if you're, if you've had headaches, you know, for the past couple of days, um, and you are pretty sure that they're just headaches and, but your OCD is telling you, you have to tell your doctor about the headaches. You have to tell your doctor, maybe challenge yourself to not, right? Um, try to leave a little part out if you can. Um, and again, this is all for the greater good of helping you resist your anxiety, helping you go through your health anxiety so that essentially you can eventually overcome it. So OCD and ERP is one of those things, you guys, that in order to get over it, you have to go through it. So if you're having existential fears, right, you're going to have to go through it. You're going to have to have thoughts, allow yourself to have thoughts of all these existential crises that are possible and not figure it out. If you have health anxiety, you're going to have to potentially have something wrong with your health. Like we all may have, I may have something wrong with my health right now and not immediately address that with the doctor. Okay. So what are some other questions? Um, working with OCD in a, in children and adolescents versus adults. Oh my goodness. This could be its own podcast episode. It could be its own series really. <laughs> um, about how the treatment is a little bit different and just generally how working with children and adolescents is a little bit different from working with adults. So the like I've said, the, the meat and potatoes of ERP will always be the same, no matter whether you are working with children, adolescents, adults, um, any subtype, the meat and potatoes is the same. You do exposures and you try to resist or reduce rituals as much as you possibly, possibly can. Now, with that said, <sighs> Children and adolescents can be a little tricky because it's a big family dynamic, right? So obviously it is still somewhat with adults, but generally adults were working with maybe like a spouse and a child versus a, a child or an adolescent has like multiple family members in the household, like two parents, maybe some siblings. And so that can be really, really tricky. Um, and usually with the child, right, there's so much accommodation. Um, parents, and now that I'm a parent, I totally get it. Parents have a really hard time just supporting their child without also accommodating the OCD. And so that's probably the biggest thing to focus on. That's different. Um, obviously, uh, working with accommodation with the, with the families when they're adults too is still super, super important, but it definitely plays more of a role when they're children and adolescents because, you know, when, when they're adults, they typically have jobs. They have children of their own. They have things that they got to do for the most part. Not not everyone. Like this is a very like sweeping general statement. Um, but as they get as as clients get older, as members get older, they're more into their adulthood for the most part. So they have more adult like responsibilities that they need to get back to or be able to manage more. And their OCD is getting in the way of that. And with children and, and adolescents, of course, it can affect family life and school life and, and all those things. But, you know, it, it's a little bit trickier. We really have to be a little bit more creative when it comes to children and adolescents by working with things like reward systems, um, 
you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, if you do your exposures today, then you get this. Um, and obviously, eventually, we would want to wean them off of that so that they can develop more um, internal motivation and not just constantly be motivated to do exposures with external motivation. Um, but you also have to be more creative with kiddos and adolescents with the analogies that you use. So you can't really talk to them like how I'm talking on this podcast a lot. Um, you have to use a lot more visuals and um, just creative language to kind of get on their level. And that's a struggle for me sometimes because I've worked with adults only for the past eight or 10 years. Um, I have a child and I've worked with kids before, but it's been a while. Um, and so it's, it's definitely something that you have to do and you have to be a little bit silly, a little bit more creative. Uh, I would definitely focus mostly on the accommodations at first and really be open to challenging the family about reducing those as much as possible. Um, and just taking it a little bit slower with the kiddos. So, um, like being okay, stretching out that time in the beginning, just to build that rapport and get on their level and get to build some trust there because obviously it's an awkward situation for anyone to go into therapy. Um, at least at first, and it is especially awkward for kiddos. So just allowing yourself and allowing them to take things a little bit slower at first, I think can be really, really helpful in getting their foot in the door and hopefully getting them involved in treatment. So I have one more question here, and I totally, I love this. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. This was so fun. Um, it's a good way to get a, an episode out and get some information to you guys without having to like do all the prep work ahead of time. Um, so last question, how to deal with burnout of OCD thoughts? I can swat them away, but get tiresome. So the big red flag here is the concept of swatting them away. We don't want to do that. So we don't want to, when we have unpleasant thoughts, we don't want to do anything to get rid of them. If we put any, if we do anything to get rid of them, like swatting them away or avoiding them or resisting them, you're actually engaging with the OCD and you're making it stronger. So, you know, if anytime I had a thought about a white elephant, like don't have a white, don't think about a white elephant, don't think about a white elephant, whatever you do, don't think about a white elephant. And if I ever do think about a white elephant, I have to swat that away. What am I going to be thinking about? But a, a white elephant, right? And so what we have to do with exposures, we, we're going to actually do the opposite of that. I'm going to want you to have those thoughts and not swat them away. I'm going to want you not to just have those thoughts a couple times a day. I want you to have that thought all day. I want you to do all the triggers that evoke that thought. I want you to do all the things that you normally would avoid that would evoke that thought. And I want you to let them be there without you swatting them away, resisting them, avoiding them, doing any other compulsion, doing any other thing to engage with it or make it better. And so it makes sense to me why this person feels like they're really tired of you know, engaging in this back and forth behavior because they're engaging in the back and forth behavior in the first place. And so what the alternative would be and what the good part, like what the better and more functional response would be as it is related to OCD and exposure and response prevention would be to just let your thoughts be there. And I know that that sounds really hard, <laughs> um, but it is hard. Exposure therapy is hard. Um, I've been open about my story before. Um, in some of my previous podcast episodes, so I get it. It is hard. Um, I have seen it myself, and I, I've seen it for the past 10 or 12 years, day in and day out with people. I know that exposure therapy is hard. I also know that it's not complicated, um, and we can't complicate it. 
So what's, what's hard is yes, sitting with those thoughts and letting them be there and you not ritualizing through them or trying to swat them away, but please don't fool yourself. It's not complicated. So my advice to this person would be to try to stop swatting those thoughts away. Like instead, welcome them, invite them in. Come on, OCD. Let me have those thoughts. Give me all you got. I, I'm, I don't know what this person is having intrusive thoughts about, but if I'm having intrusive thoughts about naked people, right? Like, come on, let me bring me. I want every single person that I, that I, every single person that walks by my window, I'm going to envision them naked because that brings me anxiety and I, I need anxiety. I want anxiety to get better. I need all the experience that I can get sitting with anxiety. So I'm going to egg it on, right? So that's the opposite of trying to swat it away. So I hope that this was helpful. A little sprinkling of everything in there for you guys. Um, Let me know what you thought. Let me know if you have any additional questions and I can do another one of these again sometime soon. In the meanwhile, keep doing all the hard things. You guys rock. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.